Hi, listeners. Welcome to the She Speaks Life podcast, a weekly encouragement where we share our God stories. I'm your host, Jamie Elizabeth, and I am so glad you are spending time with us today to listen. Hi, friend. I am so glad you chose to listen today. I have a dear friend with me, Jenny Morris. What's great about this story is that we met at a Christine Kane conference, and this was right before the pandemic hit us. And I had come with a friend, and it was a lunch break, and my friend decided hey, let's separate and go meet new women. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. So (laughs) um, there's an empty seat right next to Jenny. And I sat down with her and we just had an amazing conversation and kept in touch ever since then. And so I am so excited to introduce her to you. Uh, Jenny and her husband are pastors of a church in Oklahoma City called South Point, and she is an author of a amazing book. It is so great. It's called Everyday Jesus Life, Moving Jesus into the Neighborhood of Your Life. And she's going to talk about her before she met Jesus and how she discovered a relationship with him and how we can continue to invite Jesus into our everyday. Uh, We've got a lot of topics to cover. We're going to talk about how we can hear from the Holy Spirit to how important and essential it is to read God's Word and apply it to our lives. And so I can't wait to dive right in. Hi, Jenny. Welcome to She Speaks Life. Hey, Jamie. It's so great to be here. Thanks so much for asking me. It's so great to get to see you in person again and touch base and uh, catch up and talk about everyday Jesus life and all that God has in store for your listeners. I know. I can't believe it's been a whole year. (laughs) I think the conference was in February, actually, of last year. Yes, it was. It seems like that was kind of the last thing. And then the world changed for a year. I know. And that February month, I had two big events that I attended that um, Mm. in Dallas, the Christine Kane event in Dallas, and then a podcast conference, Christian podcast conference in Houston. So and then it was like, the world shut down. So uh, very interesting, but I'm glad I had that, you know, filled up month beforehand. Keep me busy. (laughs) That's kind of exactly how I felt too. We had had some great things happening at the church and big plans for Easter coming up and attended that conference. And I was glad that all of those things got to be experienced before life changed for a while. Yes, I know. Oh, well, I love everything that you are about and your heart, most importantly, for the Lord. And Mm. it shows and it shines. And I couldn't wait until, you know, once I got, I had a backup of recordings and I was so backed up, uh, like six months worth of recordings. So once, yeah. Once I got through all these interviews and all these God stories, 
I was able to now, okay, I'm going to ask all those people that I had written down. And of course, you were one of them. And I think we even talked about it at the conference. So anyway, I would love for you just to share uh, a little bit about yourself and maybe just go to the place where you were broken and didn't know Jesus yet and just kind of take us through that timeline. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I did not grow up in a Christian home, so I didn't really know anything about what it meant to be a Christian or anything about Jesus or church or anything like that. And I came from a very broken home in that my dad also had had a motorcycle accident when I was young and had permanent brain damage. And so it kind of really just blew up our family. So I came from a lot of hurt and disappointment and just a lot of hardship throughout the years. And when I graduated and went off to college, um, I had no idea that God had something that he was getting ready to radically change my life, really. And Mm -hmm. I'm so thankful for that. I the very first day of college, I was in the elevator getting ready to go up to my dorm room. And there was a girl that was in there with me and she introduced herself. And uh, we just happened to be next door neighbors on our floor. And she was a Christian. And she started just inviting me to Bible studies and, um, you know, just in a very friend way, not like a, I'm a I want to convert you kind of way. Yeah, but yeah. She, gentle way, tr- a nice, attractive yeah. way. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, and it came from a heart of truly caring about people, you know. Right. And, yeah. It wasn't just that, you know, we would, I think I say that in the book, go get French fries at midnight after studying, you know, at McDonald's and, you know, just, we became friends, but through that, just weaving this story of something different for my life. And, you know, it's hard to try and reconcile that. And, you know, you're kind of processing through getting more information. And I think one of the biggest things that was, Difficult for me to take that final step was just thinking, you know, am I, if I become a Christian, am I going to have fun anymore? Is my life going to be? And I think a lot of people feel like that. Oh, well, you know, this is what it's like to be a Christian. It's not fun. And, you know, just all these rules and, and things like that. And, um, there came a point at the end of my freshman year in college that, you know, I just done a things that had just heaped so much guilt shame on my life, which I think is probably familiar, is familiar to all people. We've all been there. And I can remember just waking up one morning and I just was like, okay, I don't want my way anymore. God, I just want your way, you know? And, um, it wasn't, you know, there's not a pat. Some people think we have to be at church or you have to, you know, have this environment or there has to be this. And there was none of that. It was me Mm -hmm. alone in my dorm room and God, that was it. And I just, you know, I said, I just, I want you from now on. And really at that moment, I had no idea, but God transformed my life in that moment. Mm, and, yeah, you know, from then it's, it's been better than I could ever imagine. Have my circumstances and situations and everything always been, you know, roses? No, but my life has been characterized by all the good things that the Bible talks about. Yeah. And I think a lot of us can relate with just having that feeling of, wow, I've tried doing things my way and I'm just hitting a dead end. I'm not happy. I feel empty. There's got to be something more out there. And I think that's a common 
little question we ask ourselves, and I feel like it's God's own personal little seed that he's planting in our hearts to have us start questioning, like, what am I doing? Where what am, I, where right. am I at? And I need something more fulfilling. And I love how that girl in the elevator, your roommate, just that was the seed that you needed planted in your heart. And then you started to really start to ask that question. You know, I wonder what it is to be a Christ follower. It really was out of those first moments too, that like where the book was born, because she helped me to see, which I think is what so many people kind of get stuck in is that salvation is not the final step. It's the first step in this Mm -hmm. amazing journey that God has. And then she discipled me and helped me to engage in all the things that have made my faith so fulfilling. But I, through the years, have realized so many people don't know that I wanted to be able to share and say, this. here's some tools. This is how you get there. Yeah. So good. Okay. I wanted to read, this is a good little transition here into your introduction of what you wrote in your book. It was so good. It says, so how do you develop that everyday Jesus relationship when he isn't here in the flesh? Basically, it happens the same way that happened then with an open heart and a willingness to lean into all that God has for you. The reason it is no different now than it was then is because knowing Jesus has more to do with your heart than your physical circumstances. So good. When Jesus was walking the earth, everyone saw him, but not everyone believed him. You see, it wasn't about what people witnessed him doing that opened the door for a relationship with him. It was only those who encountered him and then chose to open their hearts to him. They were the ones who really knew Jesus in a close and personal way. I mean, wow, how many times have we even read the Bible and we're like, you know, just so confused? Like, why aren't they believing in Jesus? You know, here he is performing all these miracles. And, you know, why aren't they believing he is who he is? And I love what you said. It's about the encounter and choosing to open your heart to him. And I think that was your case when when you were in your dorm room, you're choosing to open your heart. That was me in my uh, crisis time of turning my Mm. heart to him. And I think uh, a lot of us can all relate that we've been there and such a good thing to point out. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think people sometimes they go, well, why doesn't God do all of these big miracles like you hear about in the Old Testament and the New Testament. You know, and I I think that that paragraph was kind of birthed out of thinking about those things. And if you even go back all the way to, let's say, when God parts the Red Sea for Moses and the Israelites to cross on dry ground, they spend the next 40 years wandering around the desert because even though God was doing these monumental things in front of them, it, it didn't change the circumstances. It wasn't about like, oh, okay, I saw that. Now I believe. It's always been about somebody having faith, which is that's how we're also saved is through faith in what Jesus has done for us. So it's such a great, I think, just lesson for us to be able to internalize and go, okay, God, I am choosing to believe. And uh, what is 
what I think sometimes is difficult is because when we choose to believe in faith, the reward comes later. So there's like a delayed, we're used to an instant gratification society or show me first or immediately when I make this decision. But so many times the promises of God, they are activated by our faith first. That we say, okay, God, I will choose to trust. I will choose to believe. I will choose to walk in your word and walk in your ways. And when we do that and we touch the heart of God through those things, which is exactly what the Bible says about Abraham, he believed God and then it was credited to him as righteousness, that that belief is the key factor. And when we do that, then we trust and God comes through every time and is always faithful to his word. So good. And I know uh, you talked about that new life that we have with Jesus. Uh, Once we Mm. encounter him, have that personal relationship, And one of the things you talked about was forgiving yourself and embracing that new you. I know I I talk to younger women and the shame just riddles them. I mean, it's just, you know, it's hard to let go. And I know that's one of the enemy's tactic to hold us back from moving forward. And you wrote, now that God has given you new life and forgiving you, you have to begin the process of forgiving yourself and living new life. What were the steps that you took when you were like, okay, I just need to get rid of the shame that I used to do because sometimes that can haunt us once we decide to follow mm-hmm. Jesus. And uh, what were what were some of the things that you did to uh, forgive yourself? Because I think that's a lot that women struggle with. You know, I think that we have to reframe the way that we look at that. Because if we think about the fact, okay, I have all of these things, the shame, these things that I've done, it's uh, the memories that are always going to be there that I, you know, tend to want to relive and replay out in my mind and bring that shame back up, which you're right, is such a tool of the enemy also, because it keeps us from moving forward. But we have to come to a place where we go, okay, God, if you forgive me, and then I don't forgive myself, then basically, I'm saying that I know more than you. Like, okay, Mm. you say that I can be forgiven, you say that I can move. So it's almost like a a form of pride, I would say, to go, okay, yeah. I'm going to hang on to this. I, I must know more than God because I, I'm not going to let go of it, even though he says it can be let go of. So it's mm. also an act of faith to say, okay, God, I, I may have these, but every time I think of this memory or Satan tries to bring it back up, like I am going to stand on your word. I'm going to quote scripture over what you say about me being a new creation. And I'm going to activate mm-hmm. that faith in my life and trust that you know more than I do. And even with other people not forgiving us. And I, and I think I say that in the book, we have to be sensitive when we wronged others um, in our lives. But you know, there's times that we haven't wronged others, but others, you know, just know about some of the things that have brought shame and guilt and they would want to bring those back up. But we also yes. have to bring that as yeah, as well <clears throat> word to say, I the only thing I can rely on is what God says about me. So if mm-hmm. he says it, that's the final word. So even if other people in my life are trying to bring that back or they won't forgive me. I have to pray and leave that in God's hands 
and let him work that out. But I can't continue to carry that guilt that they want to bring on me while being, like I said, if you've, if you've wronged somebody else, being sensitive to the fact of, I understand, you know, I have wronged you, but also still walking in the freedom and the new life that we have. Right. Oh, so good. That was good that you touched that. It's a pride issue when we're not forgiving ourselves. Like we know more than God. And I think that was good that you mentioned that because I think that Mm -hmm. can totally change our perspective when we think of it that way and our mindset. Okay. So throughout your book, it talks about reading the Bible, memorizing it. And one of the things that has been very important in my life is hearing from God. I wanted it so bad. Like I found my personal relationship with the Lord, started going to Bible studies and started to hear women say, oh, I heard God say this or God Mm. told me this and God showed me this. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I want that. So it started with a desire, first of all. And then I, there was no book that I read about it. There was no, you know, obviously you hear he, he speaks through his word or, or through prayer, but I don't ever remember really, you know, grabbing a book about it and, you know, getting some education on it. And I think that it's because it's so personal in your walk with Jesus. And we just need to uh, sit silent and practice. Um, but I I really think that this was the transformative time for me to really mm. understand who God is, what he wants in my life. Once I really started to train uh, my heart ears is how I say, how I describe it. And that familiar voice, I was able to follow his direction because obviously the Holy Spirit is our comforter, our guide, and he's there as our advocate to lead us. And so once I kind of understood you know, obviously it's not like, oh, I, I get it all the time and it's, you know, so clear, but it's definitely something that was important in my personal relationship with the Lord as to what he wanted for my life and staying inside his will and stuff like that. So here I'm going to read out of your everyday hearing. It says, one of the key things as a believer is to learn how to hear God's voice for your life. All good relationships are two-way. So in order to have a great relationship with God, it's important to understand you are not building a relationship with a silent God. He is still speaking loud and clear today, but it takes some learning on our part to be able to recognize His voice. And that's so true because I kept hearing God speaking all the time, you know, and I'm like, oh, I want it. I want it. So I love how you talked about hearing his voice. So could you share with me and the listeners, what was your experience and just to expand on hearing from the Holy Spirit? Because I know this is a question many of us have on how do I hear God's voice? Yeah, absolutely. And I would think um, even before talking about the different ways that we hear God's voice is to understand the posture of our heart 
in hearing God's mm. voice. So I think God recognizes when we are going to be obedient to listen and when we're not. And mm. so it's important for people to understand, like, if I really want to lean in and have this everyday relationship, um, it's not like a buffet, pick and choose. Oh, okay, God, maybe I'll do this. And then, you know, then go, oh, yeah. but if you speak to me this, I'm not listening. But if you speak this, okay, oh I'll gosh. listen. Yeah, then we can't expect hilarious. God to really speak to us, you know, because he can't trust yeah. us to hear his voice. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's a real important thing to try and like set up. Like this is how you hear God's voice is to know the posture of your heart. Not that we have to be perfect, you know, not that we have to be this like, oh, everything's perfect. But that we're saying, God you know, I will say, yes, when I hear you, whether it's through your word, whether it's, you know, I list kind of four different ways through your, we kind of label it conscience, but really it's the voice of God speaking to us Mm -hmm. through other people. When we put that in the context of, you know, rightly understanding it, not everybody sometimes that says, you know, God really wanted me to share this with you is actually uh, on base with what they're saying. Right. And and then even um, dreams and and visions and things that some people put on the shelf and say, well, you know, uh, I think that's another important also thing to point out is that when it comes to God, we, I feel like should not ever say, oh, well, God does this and he doesn't do this, you know, like that God, whatever you want to do, however you want to speak, I'm in for that. You know, and, Mm -hmm. and so, you know, it just, it's saying with your whole heart, with your whole life, God, I am, I'm willing, I'm yours. You know, that's the kind of relationship that I want to have with you. And that's where it is really good in that we get to really know this, what I'm laying out in the first chapter, Jesus in our everyday lives in an up close and personal way. So mm-hmm. I think that's the the precursor for hearing God's voice. Right. Okay. And then once we're in that heart posture, what? how are the other ways uh, we can hear from God? Yeah, absolutely. I think that the first way primarily is to know God's word and to be regularly reading God's word and spending time setting aside where you, you tune out all the noise of life. Life is Mm -hmm. so loud. We have social media and we have, you know, all the busyness and jobs and kids and families. And it takes some intentionality to say, okay, God, I'm going to tune all of that out. And I'm going to spend time cultivating this practice of hearing, hearing your voice in my life. And, and so I think probably God's word is the most straightforward thing. We can read it. It's right there. And some people would mm-hmm. say, oh, I don't think I ever thought about that that's God speaking to me. But right. just as if I were to write a letter to you and you you know, were to receive that where you're at and read it, that would be like, here, I'm communicating my heart to you. I'm, I'm mm. speaking to you. So learning to interpret the fact that this word that I'm reading, that God and the Holy Spirit, it's anoint that. And so it's speaking to my life. And, and then I think probably the second way that that people have the hardest time putting their finger on is that voice of God and learning to discern that voice of God. And that, that does take development and practice. I think that it is easier when we come with that posture of God, 
you know, I am saying yes to you. I want to hear your voice. And then um, it's something like what you said. It's a learned process. You know, the first time my husband called me on the phone, you know, I didn't immediately recognize his voice. But now, you know, he can call me on the phone if we didn't have caller ID with everything, you know, back in the days before caller ID. And, uh, you know, like the more you talk, you're like, I can recognize that voice in a crowd. I can recognize that voice, you know, in a room full of people, I can pick Mm -hmm. that out exactly. Mm -hmm. But that, that comes from years of knowing him and being in relationship. And so some of the first times that we begin to say, was that God speaking to me? You know, and you kind of test the waters and go, and I say that in the book, kind of some litmus tests. Uh, Okay. Does it line up with God's word? So if Mm -hmm. God speaks something to your heart and it doesn't line up with his word, then you go, okay, that must not have been God. But if it lines up with his word, and then many times it will resonate with what you're already feeling or thinking in your life. Mm. And and I share some examples of that through the book. I know when I was in college and still a new listener to hearing God's voice, I can remember just seeing a couple of years later in my apartment and, you know, I'd been heard about something and, you know, we kind of get on our like pity party and I was just crying and I was, I can, I'll never forget it. I was like by my bed and I was like, praying, you know, and I'm like, God, nobody cares, you know, and I'm just, you know, Mm -hmm. and just so clearly what I think most people would label conscience. But as you become a believer and understand, it's really in my spirit, you're hearing that your spirit is resonating with the Holy Spirit that you go. And I just felt very clearly say, I care. And that, that was Mm -hmm. it. I'm just, you know, crying and lamenting God, nobody cares and this and that, that. Mm -hmm. And just so clearly it was like, I care. And just those two words and Mm -hmm. I'll never forget it. And I mean, immediately I just dried up my tears and I was like, oh, that's all, that's all I really need is you caring God. Cause that's where it's yeah. at. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Um, you know, I can think that's one of the first moments, but it was in moments alone, cultivating that just communication with God, mm-hmm. God speaking to us, us talking to God and, and that relationship begins to develop. And so the more we are diving in to just creating that space of God, I want to encounter you. I want to hear your voice. I want to follow you in all areas of my life. We begin to see that blossom. So true. I mean, as soon as I told myself to be still. I think that's the hardest thing for us just to sit in quiet and silence and just wait to hear from him. And I think we're just in this culture, it's go, go, go. And if you're just sitting there not doing anything with eyes closed or whatever, it feels a little awkward. But after a while, it doesn't because then you're like, oh, you know, this is how I'm speaking to him. And then I'm quiet and listening to what he has to say. And that is so true. It's just practicing. And there was this one description that God had given me uh, years ago. And I thought, wow, God, this is such a good analogy of hearing your voice. We were in Costco and our youngest one was lost. I think he was five years old and we couldn't find him. And my husband had always given the kids a unique whistle and it never failed. Like we would be at baseball fields or, you know, the football games, even Disneyland. I mean, the most crowded, loud places. And he would do this whistle 
And the kids would all look and would follow where that whistle was because they knew it was from their daddy. It was from their father. Mm. So I was kind of in a, a, a panic at Costco, but thankfully my husband was there and he used that unique whistle. And he did it a few times and my son came running over and he followed that unique sound and he knew it was his father. And I kid you not that you know, when you lose your child for the split mm. seconds, you know, and you're just yes. like, oh, you're thinking yeah. the worst. Your <laughs> yes. heart's dropped. And I remember just having the Holy Spirit immediately download to me that this is how you hear my voice. It's mm. something familiar. It's practice over time of hearing it. And then you'll know it's me that I am calling out to it's it's god that i'm calling out to you and um we can you know turn that direction and follow it and it was just such a i don't know just a great analogy that the lord instantly gave me peace after my son came and said see this mm. is how you can hear my voice and anyway i i use that often just for people to kind of understand that that's kind of how it is, that familiar whistle that you've heard over and over again, and then you know it's your father's voice. That's so good. And, you know, I think what's so great about that story that you just told is that um, it was in a crowded place that when, you know, something yeah. happened after hearing it for years, they could pick that out even when there was so many other things going on around them. And I do think that when we begin to cultivate that understanding of hearing God's voice, like God speaks to me so many times when I'm driving down the road or, you know, mm. I can remember one time when my kids were little and God was asking us to go and plant this youth ministry. And we were at this, you know, big church and, uh, you know, just set life and, you know, all of these things. Yeah. And so to plant this youth ministry, we we're going to have to raise support. We had two little kids and, you know, I, I wasn't working at the time except for just the volunteer things. Cause when my kids were little, I did not pastor alongside my husband like I do now. You know, I was giving them a bath and I mean, they're like slow. And, you know, they're still at that age where they're going, don't get water in my eyes. Don't drop yeah. me. And, <laughs> you know, I knew we were going to be leaving this comfortable life. And I had just been struggling with God back and forth, back and forth. And I was mm. rinsing my son's hair in the bathtub. And I felt God so clearly say, you're doing to me just what your kids do. I'm not going to drop you. I'm not going to get water mm. in your eyes. You can make this move and trust me, you know? Mm. And so the more, even in the midst of chaos now, the more we cultivate, like we hear God's voice throughout our lives, throughout our days in different ways. And we're more astute at recognizing it because we've cultivated that practice. Yes. So good. I love it. Okay. And then the back of your book, you talk about everyday growth and I don't know if you want to give a, a takeaway that involves, you know, that everyday growth, but how can we receive Jesus in our everyday? How can we continue to grow and invite him in every single day? And because I think that's important for us to realize there's that submitting and that obedience, I think that happens every day. It's just not a one and done thing. And I think with just being intentional and reminding ourselves, because so many times 
we feel like, oh, uh, I got to control this or, mm. you know, I got to rely on my own strength to do this. And then it's like, oh, yeah, but God. And so I just love it if you could just expand on how can we just have that more of a knee-jerk reaction, that natural, you know, first priority way of thinking of making God first in our every day because, hey, I mean, life, we're going to have troubles, right? God didn't say we're going to yes. have this easy, comfortable life. So right. we face some serious uh, circumstances, some hardships in life. And I think the bigger hardships, the bigger circumstances it, it, it can be harder to trust God. Anyway, I would love for you just to expand on that, on just cultivating that growth every day. Absolutely. I share uh, kind of a story or analogy or in the book and, uh, you know, it talks about lottery numbers. And if, you know, somebody were to give us, if you yeah. play the lottery, you know, if somebody were to give you like, here's a formula you can get for, you know, determining what the winning lottery numbers are uh, to the jackpot. And, you know, so like if somebody gave you that formula, if the jackpot's $140 million, nobody's going to be like, no, I don't really want that formula. They're going to use it. They're going to write down the numbers and they're going to go claim the prize. <laughs> you know, and right. one thing that we've always told our kids is like, that God's word and God's principles and, and being in community, all the things that I mentioned in the book, memorizing his word, praying, following his voice, getting involved in life-giving community, all of those things are, God has laid out the winning lottery numbers throughout his word for life. And mm -hmm. um, so some people are like, oh, it's just a bunch of rules or it's, you know, just this, or it's so much, you know, just different things that I would have to do instead of going, you know what, God loves us so much and he's created this great story that we're a part of that it's going to have an ending one day. And we're kind of in the middle of that story. And he's given us his kids that he loves so much. He said, like, here's how in a broken world until I completely restore it when I return, here's how you can make the most of this life through peace, through relational peace, through fulfillment, mm -hmm. through purpose. Here's how, if you really want to have a winning lottery number life, now that doesn't mean like, oh, I'm, you know, prosperous in every area, you know, blessing is not, you know, oh, I have the biggest house or the biggest car, or the most money. Right. It's yeah. many times relational things with God, the internal peace, the fulfillment, feeling like you're doing what your destiny, what you've called to do, where it says in Ephesians 2.10, God's laid out all of these works in advance for us to do. And that's where you find just that zeal for life. And mm -hmm. so it's taking on life and going, God, I realize that in your word, whether I feel it or not, whether I see the reward or the blessing or not, like this is it right here. Mm -hmm. This is the winning lottery numbers. And so I'm going to grab hold of this with everything I can and follow you every day. And that's, mm. I know when I'm in the center of that, where my life is going to be exactly as it should be. Yeah. So good. I actually underlined that. I mm. highlighted exactly what you just said uh, it's in the everyday reading and you said the Bible is like the winning lottery numbers for life. God gives us a layout for how to win at life. It gives you the key to peace, principles for marriage, children, and relationships, direction about money, and so much more. The Bible is not a set of rules. It's a set of winning lottery numbers that help you have the absolute best life possible. 
which is why God corrects us, right? It's all about, hey, I want to give you the best life possible. And I think it there's always that, I don't know, that season where you discover that, where it's not the Bible's just, you know, God pointing the finger, you know, at you going, no, 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 you know, but when we, when we shift our mindset of, oh, it's like, you know, how we discipline our child because we know they would get hurt or they'll harm themselves or that's not the best way for them. You know, that's not the best decision. And how we are with our children is how Jesus is with us. And once we grasp that unconditional love, and I think that is a hard thing for a lot of people to wrap our minds around that God loves us unconditionally. He doesn't Mm -hmm. love us any more or any less. He has so much love for us. And when there's that much love that he gives, God is love. He wants that best life for us, that abundant living where we are filled with that peace and joy that the world cannot give. Only he can give that. So I think once we grasp the best plan and that's how much he loves us, then we just can embrace that, you know? Absolutely. So good. Okay. So where can people find you and grab a hold of this incredible book? I know you have it set up where you can read it individually. You can read it in groups too. You have some excellent reflection questions at the end and takeaways, which I love. So where can people find your book and contact you, Jenny? If they go to everydayjesuslife.com, there's a link where you can purchase the book, but it's also on Amazon that you can purchase it there. And you can also uh, follow my social media. It's Jenny Morris on Instagram or Facebook to stay updated with all those things. Awesome. And if you're in the Oklahoma City area, uh, she's got a phenomenal women's ministry at South Point Church called Sisterhood, which is so great. And provide events and Bible studies and just a good time to connect and grow in God's word. So I love your heart, Jenny. Thanks so much for coming on here and sharing your story with us. Well, thanks so much for having me. It's been great to be here. Thank you so much for listening today. I trust that God has encouraged you through this message. For more information on this ministry and to access free downloads, please visit my website at jamieelizabeth.com and sign up.